It's time to get the inside scoop on the Utah Jazz. From the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, David Locke. Sweet revenge! Presented by Murdoch Auto Group. Ow! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Might be confused as heck because uh, oh, I bet he vibes to this. <laughs> He's jamming right now to Michael McDonald, Doobie Brothers. Let's go. Hey, Locke, is this your jam or what? I I don't picture you as a as a yacht rock guy, but maybe you are. I was a classic rock guy for a while. Doobie Brothers was classic rock. Steve yeah. Miller Band kind of fits in. Yeah, yeah. like when I was we used to drive from L.A. down to San Diego slash Tijuana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never, never a good decision. Um, I went to I went to Occidental College, and our slogan was that ninety percent of the women in Southern California are foxy, and the other ten go to Oxy. And so <laughs> we and we so we would that was probably because we were freshmen and they were uninterested in us. But let's be perfectly honest, we tried to spin it the other way. Um, so we used to drive down to San Diego State all the time and party. So that. Steve Miller band, which is kind of yacht rock, was completely our like. That was our cassette that tape in jam. the car. That was our, that was our that was the I five L A to San Diego jam was wow. Joker, Wall, Steve Miller. So that's pretty similar. Absolutely. I had uh, two of my buddies went and played out of Seattle. I don't know why they just got like the they they got recruited somehow to go play down at uh, Occidental football. They played football at Occidental. I didn't even know they had a football team until. Our two they guys went. <laughs> they did. They they do now. I think they did at least. They the uh, yeah. They talked. They had. They Vance Mueller played for the Raiders. But there. Jack that's right. Camp. They don't anymore. They don't. They don't anymore. That's right. Jim Mora, the head coach of the um, Indianapolis Colts, with the legendary tirade, was an Occidental guy. And then, other than that, our other most famous alumni transferred. So, what does that say about my school? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, uh, Locke, we have a reason we're going to play. We're playing the Doobie Brothers because we're going to give away Doobie Brothers tickets uh, a little bit later here. But uh, so this leads to a great. This leads to a great question I have about these bands that keep traveling. At this point, what's better? Uh, actually, never mind because you have a sponsor who's supporting this company. <laughs> I don't know. JJ does this all the time. I get He's in like, trouble too. I wouldn't. JJ's like, I wouldn't go to the Doobie Brothers. Like, he just, I'm all. These guys are coming. They're coming to the. Come wait, on. Wait, it was the other. The, it was Bush. It was Bush. I ripped. He's like, Bush. this is I was like, This is the worst nineties rock. <laughs> and I'm like, now we're giving away tickets. I'm like, oh no, I got. I, I'm yeah. in big trouble. No, but we have we have the same questions about the guys who are traveling too, Locke. I'm like, really? They're still together? Wow. They need to I hang don't, it up. I don't. I don't blame them. Like, I think they should still be um, traveling. Like, they're playing rock concerts. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah. Like, I got no problem with it. My joke was going to be like, what's better at this point? The Doobie Brothers or a Doobie Brothers cover band? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? No, it's not. It's not. It's a great question because you think about, I mean, obviously Pink Floyd is a little different, but like Australian Pink Floyd, like that's the band now, right? Right. Like, that's the one everybody goes and sees. I mean, obviously, because that's the way it is, but they are awesome. All right. Uh, So. 
What'd you do during the all? What'd you do during the All Star game? Did you watch the All Star game? Nope. Yeah. Really, have a hard time understanding why people are bothered by this. I really, I, I really don't get this at all. Like, seriously, actually, I'm gonna be totally honest. Let me hear. And it. I hope you guys have the. Have you been sitting around complaining about the All Star game? You're just a sourpuss who wants to complain about stuff. Like it hasn't been any different for ten years, twenty years. Like, what do you expect? Like, I stopped watching a long time ago. I. I didn't watch the one in Salt Lake. I, I, I cannot tell you the last time I watched an All-Star game. It's uninteresting to me. Okay, it doesn't mean I should complain about it. Like, who cares? That was JJ's point, actually, on Monday. It was, uh, or on Tuesday, it was, you don't like it. The way you can get at it is by not watching it because the ratings are still. The ratings were up like 17% yeah. this year. So, lock, people are watching it. So, what's the why would the NBA change anything if they're still getting good ratings and it's still getting attention? Everyone complains they don't like it, but people are watching it. That's all that matters. That's how you gauge this. I find NBA media really strange right now. Like, I just think there's this, and maybe it's society, there's just this ridiculous quest to complain. Like, oh, the players are too skilled, and the offense is too good, and there's too much offense. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, okay, there is. We're scoring an awful lot. That's true. The discussion, if somebody wanted to actually have a good discussion about this, is, Okay, scoring is at a record rate. Why? Let's start with that. That's an interesting conversation. And two, what does it mean? Like, how does it change the game? How does it change strategy? How does it change scouting? How does it change who you draft and who you acquire? How does it change how you build a team? These are the things that should be discussed. But instead, and maybe it's just because we're in soundbite society and because there's super popular NBA podcasts that actually don't watch games, like wow. that you, we now sit around and just complain about this. It, it makes no sense to me at all. There's a plethora of fascinating conversations to be had about the fact that we're scoring 120 points a night. We're scoring 120 and we're shooting 37% from three and usually eight out of 10 guys on the floor. In fact, I haven't seen a moment where eight out of 10 guys can't shoot the three. That's an incredible concept. Eight out of 10 guys at all times and often 10 out of 10 guys. And when we get to the playoffs, it'll be 10 out of 10 guys. After Minnesota gets eliminated. (laughs) That can shoot. That can shoot the three. That's changes the dynamic of everything. Where do you allow shots? What shots are okay to allow? Like, how do you defend? It's, it's, it's nuts. Well, and I was thinking too, one of the things that uh, we've discussed was the athleticism in the NBA has never been better. Like the, the athlete is as tuned in as it's ever been. And you just tell me if you disagree with me, but, but like, by by, you should see better defense just because of how athletic these guys are. But at the same time, the league wants they make it to where they can have more points in these games. That's why you get uh, the ratings. You know, the NBA gets the attention because I, when I was a kid, I was watching the Bulls beat the you know the Michael Jordan Bulls beating the Patrick Ewing Knicks ninety one to eighty six. You know, every other night, and that's that was also not. Uh, 
That was the high-scoring game. That was, and yes, that was one of the <laughs> higher-scoring games. So, in the end, we complained back then because it was like, well, let me. It was crazy. If they scored over a hundred, you're like, what an embarrassment for the uh, for this defense. But to your point, it is. That's what we're Lick, at now. Locked. It's cyclical, right? I mean, we talk about everyone's like, worried, how is this going to? How is this? What are you going to do about this? Well, you go back to the '80s, and t- I think the average scoring in the in in a certain point of the '80s was 109 points per game. Like it's cyclical. Like the NBA will respond to the scoring in a way. This happens, and we saw it in the '90s. With, do you agree with that? Like, somebody's going to find an answer to how to slow down some of these guys, and this is just how the league is. It's always trying to find a way to answer what's great with some other way to stop it. We may see some rule adaptations. That's what the league's always been great at. I'm not super excited for that. If I'm being <laughs> honest, I'm a little nervous about that. No, I'm really not. Like. I mean, there's one or two calls a night that I think, like, okay, we're just being too nice to the offense. But, okay, then we're going to score 117 points. Right. Right? Like, I'm not sure I understand what rule change we actually can make that would make a difference because what we're dealing with is space, skill, and shooting. And if you have space, skill, and shooting, um, that... Um, then you have a almost impossible scenario for defenses, right? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if guys are cutting and moving and slashing, and the ball's moving, and we're playing with pace. I mean, the analytics have had an impact. But one of the things the analytics have an impact is the quicker you get a shot off, the higher chance you have of getting a shot. So the old school come down half court set, run a bunch of actions, get in the final five seconds of the shot clock. Someone looked at it and said oh, wow, that's really interesting. We shoot 35% in the final five seconds of a shot clock, and we shoot 52% in the first 10 seconds of a shot clock. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Then then you have a then you have a formula, and so that's what the coaches are going to go by. Um, right. So, so, yeah. what is, so what's the impact? Like, one of the things that's gotten real, that's really interesting that we're doing, and Will Hardy's in the middle of it, it's a great discussion. It's a little geeky, I guess, for a national talk show. But it's super interesting. So we lead the league in offensive rebounding. We also lead the league in allowing the most transition of any team in the league. Now, those there's all sorts of studies that show those two are actually not correlated. The old school thought was you can't offense rebound because you got to get back in transition. But the math now, if you want to do the math for a second, if you're getting if you if every possession is like 1.2 points of possession because we're scoring so much. And you're at zero because you just missed a shot and you grab an offensive rebound and now you got a new possession that's now worth 1.2 points. You actually have to give up three transition opportunities to, to be on the wrong side of that math now. Hmm. So suddenly offensive rebounding is way more important because possessions are worth more. Yeah. So that's the kind of things we should be talking about. Now, are the Jazz allowing the most transition league because we crash harder than anyone? I don't think that's the case. There's all sorts of research that shows that those aren't correlated, but are, is there some reason why it might be correlated for us? We need That's something I'm sure we'll dug into during the All-Star break. Uh, speaking of the All-Star break, it's almost over. Thank heavens. Um, I was well, able to... If it keeps snowing snow 12 inches every day, we can extend this break another week. <laughs> nah. I, I was going to say Powderhound I, Dave Locke. I can only guess program. what you've been doing the yeah. last couple of days. So, this is not... The last two days have not sucked. That's awesome. Yeah, good for you. Well, um, 
I was lucky enough to be able to do pre-half and post the other night when there was a, I mean, a historic shooting night for both teams. I, I don't. Sometimes you get a, you get that on one side every so often, but to have it from both teams and to have one of those shooters not be, uh, you know, on a night that Steph Curry is not shooting well at all. Uh, in terms of where that lands, do you know if you've ever seen a game like that that you've that you've called? So we looked it up, and uh, Tyson Ewing did this work, so give Tyson credit, because I asked him to. When we crossed over 83-point attempts, the two teams were shooting 50% from the field, from three. Oh. <laughs> like, you want to know why scoring's up? Because we had 83-point attempts taken, and they had made over 40 of them. I think we finished like 42 of 90 that night. So... And ironically enough, as Alex pointed out, the greatest shooter in the history of the game was not a partaking in this extravaganza. Steph Curry was like the one guy not making shots. This is, I think, crazy. Tyson Ewing said if the game had stopped at that point, there had been 30 games in NBA history now where over 83s were taken in teams and the combined level is like 50%. Wow. But that's to, the, that's to the whole discussion. You can't legislate that, and it's only going to become – more, but like to my point of interesting discussions, Houston and Detroit drafted Amon and Oscar Thompson, who are these incredible athletes in the first round of the draft. Neither of them can shoot right. at all. At all. Can they survive? Even though they're like, I sure might be the best, most impactful defensive player in the league other than Rudy already, but they can't shoot. Required to shoot in the NBA. Got to yes, do it. Yes, yes. Uh, as, as we look ahead now, 27 games left in the regular season, what what are you watching? What are you looking for? What do you want to see the Jazz accomplish in these 27 games? Um, so I think you still want to play. I'm going to go to Will Hardy for a second. Yep. Like Will Hardy's mantra is you still want to play important games. So, like, you got Charlotte, San Antonio, Atlanta, Orlando, Miami. Like, can we go grab three or four of those next five games and get back in the playoffs playing hunt? Like, sure. that'd be great because then we're playing important games. Um, if we don't, then let's make sure that we don't become numb to losing, right? That you're just tossing games. Let's avoid that. And then I think you're looking at individual performances. And, and, I, and then I think you got to – you got to get a little hesitant about it, honestly, because I, I, I've said this a lot. I, I, you can you can really be fuddled by the final 15 games of the year or so if you're not careful. A lot of guys sit out. Guys can have really big games, look really good, and then the next year they come back and they're actually not that much better. Um, and so I think you have to be a little careful and like getting too excited about this as an evaluation for time. But I do think like these are really important 22 minutes a night for Taylor Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Keontae's clearly going to be up at 34 minutes a night. Can he, I want to see Keontae play as hard as he did against Steph Curry most nights the rest of the way. You can't do it every night, but most nights. Like there's a great phrase in coaching that a guy told on himself. And I don't think Keontae told on himself because that would imply Keontae hasn't played hard in other games. But Keontae showed us how hard he can play the other night. He was, in, he was great. But, the, but the, the, he, the rookie shooting part that everybody was like, all right, that'll come. And Will Hardy said, 
it'll come. And that was the night that I feel like everybody was able to go, oh, it, it, at least tonight, that's what the expectation might not be. Every, obviously, you don't ask a guy to go nine for 16 from three every night and 33 points. But, like, that's – you've seen what this guy can do, and you've seen – the explosiveness to the hoop is is the part for me where I go. Teams do not expect this from this kid, even though they've seen it on film. And a lot of guys can do it in the league. And he still is one of those guys that's very hard to stop when he's running downhill. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's one of the things to look at. The thing that I'm – his attention to, and focus on every possession that night was – to me was different. His defensive effort on staff was different that night. Hmm. All right, Locke. Tomorrow – He uh, he made a lot of shots, but actually, to me, the most impressive thing is how many shots he got off. Like, yeah. that's actually the first skill in this league is can you actually get your shot off? Uh, and, yeah, I think he started off 7 for 10 and cooled off a little bit, but not much. I mean, he was he was just – he was phenomenal. So, it was it was an awesome night of shooting, and it was it was at least good to go into the break knowing, okay, they they that was a great fourth quarter by them. That was a really, really good run, and it was, it was just fun to watch, too. So, yeah. Uh, Locke, you've got the call, of course, tomorrow because uh, you're back to work and off the hill, at least uh, uh, for the evenings. So the Charlotte Hornets back at home, second half of the season, or the second uh, last third of the of the season is uh, right upon us here. So appreciate you joining us, and we'll uh, be listening, of course. Talk to you soon, guys. Appreciate it. There you right. go. David Locke. Thanks.